podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So we're in the thick of this book, Second Corinthians. And in these chapters, Paul is still defending his apostolic ministry. He says this in the beginning of chapter five. For we know that if our earthly tent we lived in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling. Since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. In the first 10 verses of chapter five, we have Paul here giving an assurance of what life will be like after death. Now, remember, he just said at the end of chapter four, he's like, no, 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 we fix our eyes on what's eternal, my G, right? And he's saying, no, 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 like this is the assurance that we have of life after death. Then after a discussion on the frailty of humanity and the hope of having something that is eternal, uh, he says, no, no, like this is what it's going to look like in detail, right? And Paul is like, in other words, fam, if worse comes to worse, right, the, the worst case scenario for the Christian, fam, is blessedness, <laughs> resurrection glory in a new creation with God and with God's people forever in uh, ultimate true happiness and joy on earth like that that's the worst case scenario <laughs> like we always have something to look forward to and that's such a, such a beautiful perspective when we look at life through that lens so he says we walk by faith and not by sight we walk by faith in the hope of being clothed as he says when mortality is swallowed up and all we have we all have this right paul says uh now by faith but one day we will have it by sight i alluded to that last time and he goes on to talk about how everybody will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And in the back half of this passage, he will basically offer the motivation, right, um, for the content and call of his ministry. So verses 11, 15, he, he represents the motivation. He says, no, 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 like the the love of Christ, right, compels us, right? And someone say, yo, is it the love? Is it Christ's love for us or is it uh, our love for Christ? And I would say both. Um, and then in 16 to 20, he mentions the content of what the love of Christ compels us to do, right? What does the love of Christ compel us to do? He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation and the old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against him. And he has committed the message of reconciliation, not to me, but to us, right? He says, no, 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 like man in his natural state uh, is born at enmity with God. He is separated from him and he has been reconciled to him, brought back in right relationship with God through the work of Christ. But not only that, God is reconciling uh, people to himself so that men and women can be in relationship with God, but the world as well, right? God has given this message to us through his word and we are called to take it to the world. And this is why he goes on to say that he is an ambassador, right? And that we are to be ambassadors for Christ, right? Uh, and, and this word ambassador is, is is a technical one because it it really is a representative in the political sphere, uh, how it was used in, in, in Paul's day. Uh, and it was used for those who were commissioned with authority to represent their nation, right? And um, it's interesting because we are those commissioned to represent a kingdom, uh, an empire that is not of this world, right? From another nation to this nation. And we see the, the emotion, the sense of urgency. He says, no, no, we plead with you to be reconciled with God. I always said, man, um, one of the ways you can know a person is reconciled to God is they want to see other people reconciled to God as well. This is the ministry God has given his people. Chapter six, 
if chapter five was all about the content and calling of Paul's ministry, uh, and you know, according to the text should be ours. The next chapter is about the character, right? The character, the character of Paul's ministry. And, and many of us, I, I found many of us like the content and like the calling and all that kind of stuff is all good reconciliation and eternity and glory. But the character of it is, is something we kind of cool on. So look what Paul says in second Corinthians six, right uh, here, essentially he's placing forth all of his hardships, newsflash, hard hardships, before the Corinthian church to highlight that God's power is usually on display in human weakness. And it's funny because uh, Greek writers in Paul's day used such lists to promote their own virtue. But Paul, by contrast, boasted of his struggles <laughs> because they highlight God's power working through his weakness. And so I think the thing we can take away, man, is that we shouldn't boast about our credentials, but we should be at pains to show how God is at work in our own flaws right like in the midst and in spite of our own failings flaws and weaknesses god is the one who has showed himself strong and what many have pointed out is that paul quotes the book of isaiah right how god helps his people in the day of salvation and how paul's life is an image uh you know of the suffering servant of isaiah 53 who we know from the new testament is christ himself and so the main thing paul is getting at here is that even in the midst of the hardships afflictions difficulties beatings imprisonments etc he still remained faithful in the same way that Christ did, right? And again, this is this cruciform ministry. So, so, so he is being conformed to the cross. And again, we don't. The cross is not just how we become Christians. It is the way of the Christian life. We say that all the time. But um, this is again, he remained faithful. What he's saying is he remained faithful to the ministry God had given him. And notice the flow of the text. He goes from everything he went through, right, to uh, the character he kept in the midst of it, right, purity knowledge patience and kindness right many of us uh you know look like what we've been through is old saying it's like oh you don't look like what you've been through many of us look like what we've been through right like we <laughs> we we go through a hard time and we become hard because of it right and i think one of the graces of the spirit of god is that we can go through hard times and not look like quote unquote we've been through it in terms of our character right um my prayer is that we would keep a godly character even in the midst of uh uncomfortable seasons and um he says yeah like this is all because of the holy spirit right because of the truth because of the power of god um in other words uh, what paul is saying though is that this whole thing isn't about uh platform right or prestige or praise right like his ministry doesn't sound like like we wouldn't invite paul to our conferences right we wouldn't invite him to speak at our church right according to this list right but ultimately uh, ministry is not about platform and prestige, but it's about proclamation. It's about perseverance and a reliance on the power of God, no matter what. And I think he just reminds us, man, that like real authentic Christianity is often gritty, not glamorous, right? Like it is not glitz and glam. It is real life grit, persevering in the faith in spite of the broken world we live in fulfilling the call of god second corinthians 7 and 7 what paul is going to do is wrap up uh basically this lengthy discussion about the defense and nature of his ministry and what he does here is he actually continues to speak of the travel plans right so he has an actual joy he has from receiving the good news that these folks repent i now rejoice not because you were grieved but because your grief led to repentance right for you were grieved as god will so that you didn't experience any loss from us for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. 
but worldly grief produces death. He talks about godly grief and that this letter caused and that led them to repentance. And one thing I think we can learn from this text is that uh, godly rebuke should have the aim of repentance and restoration. We shouldn't just be calling out cats just because we want to call them out, right? <laughs> like he's saying, no, no, no. Like the, the reason I uh, came at you so strongly is because I wanted you to repent, to turn to true life, to be restored. And we have to remember that our sin affects other people. But uh, I think from Paul's perspective, like our obedience does as well, right? Like hearing the sin of other believers should break our hearts for sure. But on the flip side, hearing their, their repentance should bring us joy. Again, the Christian life is not just about how I'm doing, but it's about how we're doing. Second Corinthians 8, last chapter of this bunch, Paul introduces uh, to these Christians the idea of a collection or funds for the church at Jerusalem. So what he does is he uses the example of the church at Macedonia to compel and encourage the church here to follow in their footsteps, right? And he's trying to get them to be generous, right? Generous, generous, generous. And he is still uh, on this paradox. It's so funny because all throughout the chapters, he's talking about these paradoxes, right? And, um, you know, he's still in this par paradox of the Christian life. And he says, in the midst of their trial and their affliction, they had joy, right? In the midst of their trial and their affliction, they had joy. He said, what? Then he's like, and then he goes on to say, no, 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 there's more. In the midst of their poverty, they exercise generosity, right? And and this is where most of us uh, refrain from saying amen and instead have to say ouch, right? Because notice what he implies while not explicitly stating it. He says this, he's essentially saying that being generous is not about what's in your pocket, but it's about what's in your heart, right? And he roots all of this in the allegiance to the Lord that they had, where he says they wasn't even pressed, fam. Because they gave themselves wholly, wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, to the Lord. And if we are totally his, then my implications are wallets are as well, right? And he says, fam, they begged us to do this, right? Of their own accord. In other words, what, like we have to twist their arms or coerce them into giving, but they did so willingly and sacrificially. And I love what he does after that because he, he goes to show that the generosity that he's calling them to is something that was exemplified in the Lord. He says, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich. I love the economic metaphors for your sake. He became poor. Why? So that by his poverty, you might become rich. So many paradoxes. Listen, the willingness and sacrificial nature of our giving to the needy and to the causes that God has called us to give to. Right. Comes from the reality that we were once the needy people. And that we actually still are the needy people, the poor, right? In need of help and someone to be generous, right? And only when we see ourselves in that light, can we have the same compassion for those who are in that position. And what Paul is saying here is that Christ did this for us. So when we are captivated by vision, um, by what he's done for us in the gospel, it will change and transform us to imitate him in generosity. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would make us generous, Lord. We know that's something that doesn't come natural because you have to command it. I pray, Lord, that you would help us by your spirit to be so involved and captivated and in awe of the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. That we would overflow with generosity because we receive.